0: Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information about our ministries, head to calvarystgeorges.org. Our Old Testament reading, uh, Genesis chapter 17, is a critical chapter in the Bible, for it is here uh, that God reiterates His covenant with Abram, and the sign of that covenant is circumcision. Unfortunately, the compilers of the lectionary decided to cut that part out (pun totally intended), and um, uh, that was supposed to be screamingly funny. But anyway, but uh, um, so, but instead of a 17-minute sermon on how circumcision points to Jesus, which it does, um, I would like to preach about the miracle and meaning of faith. And how this gift from God reckons us completely righteous before him. Sadly, most people think that when it comes to God, faith is our part of the equation. But this is not true. Faith is actually the gift God gives you to believe in the miraculous. The gift that God gives you To believe that he makes the impossible, namely you being righteous, a living reality. This God, our God, we see how he makes this possible through the patriarch Abram. Abram is a picture that God is in the business of making the impossible a living reality. Abram is introduced to the scene in Genesis chapter 12. He is, uh, he is um, uh, well, he's living in Ur of the Chaldeans. He's a moon worshiper. There is nothing about him that makes him worthy of God choosing him. He's elected, and he's called to leave this land, the land that God will show him, and there he's going to make him a great nation. And Abram's really excited, and he packs up, and he uh, makes his way to the land of Canaan, where he settles with his family and his flocks. And um, by Genesis chapter 15, uh, this is uh, about 10 years later, Abram's a very prosperous man. Canaan lies on the crossroads of Egypt, Mesopotamia to the east, Arabia to the south, Anatolia to the north. And all of these people are coming through. All of these people are coming through. And um, in Bedouin culture, even today, uh, there is essentially four questions that one is asked. Uh, What's your name? Uh, What's your age? And um, uh, who gave you the land, and how long have you lived in it? This is to establish property rights and things like that. But, you know, could you imagine? They're like, well, how old are you? I'm about 75 at this point, and, uh, and what's your name? Abram, the father of many. The father of what? How many do you have? None, <laughs> you know? And, uh, and can you imagine, as you move through these 10 years, the anxiety and the cortisol levels that would be raised as he would hear the conversations around the campfire. Because children in those days were also absolutely positively everything. Father of many, what's going on here? And so by Genesis chapter 15, he cries out to God and he's like, where's my heir? You know, let's make El Eliezer of Damascus my heir, and God's like, no way! Look up at the stars and count them if you can, and if you can't, well, you can't. But your children are going to be more numerous than this. Your offspring are going to be more numerous than this. And in chapter fifteen, verse six, it states that Abram believed God, and counted it, reckoned it to him as righteousness. Well, chapter 16, about another 10 years later, nothing's happened. And Abram and Sarai decide to take uh, matters into their own hands. And um, Abram has a son with Sarai's maidservant, Hagar, whose name is Ishmael. And you come to chapter 17, which is like 14 years after chapter 16, or 13 years after chapter 16. And Abram's really old, and he's feeble by our standards. A promising father he is not. He's not the father of many at all, as his name implies. But rather, at this moment, he's just the father, as I've said, of one. Ishmael, who, as I just said, comes by Abram taking matters into his own hands. And Ishmael, in Abram's life, according to St. Paul, represents the possible. Not a miracle, Not faith, not God making the impossible a living reality. Ishmael is the embodiment of human control. Yet despite Abram, and if you read, Abram's got a lot of issues. Despite Abram, God by grace is about to declare the impossible a living reality. For Abram is to become not just the father of many, but he is to become the father of many nations, Abraham. And we see that God creates the impossible out of nothing. He makes the impossible a living reality in verse 1 in chapter 17 of our reading, when God calls Abram and says, Walk before me. And be blameless. And read his life. There's nothing blameless about the guy. Yet God is creating with his words. God is declaring Abram what he is actually not. Blameless. That declaration must be received by faith. Because everything in Abraham's eyes appears to be something else. And this declaration of being blameless when Abram's not demonstrates, begins to set the tone for this covenant that the relationship between God and Abram is not at all about Abram's works or merit. Just a side note, that's why circumcision is the sign and the seal of this covenant. Because it's not by his work or by his merit. Rather, it is all rooted in God's amazing grace. And it is here that God ups the ante and says, I am changing your name from the father of many to Abraham, which means exalted father, the father of many nations. Because this covenant is not just going to be with you, Abraham, and your direct line, but through your offspring, which is singular in the Hebrew, and points us to Jesus, Abraham's greater offspring. This relationship, this covenant through Jesus now is for everyone. And so Abraham becomes for us a picture of what the Christian life is actually all about. God declaring us blameless and creating faith within us so that despite what we see, despite our surrounding circumstances, and even despite what we do or what we don't do, everything, everything, when it comes to our relationship with God, everything, when it comes to him declaring us righteous, when it comes to him declaring us blameless, might rest on grace. This is my first point. Faith is not your part. Faith is not about the possible Rather, faith is the gift that God gives you. It's the gift that God gives you to believe that he can and will make the impossible, not just possible, but a living reality. And this is what St. Paul is teaching us in our epistle reading. If Romans, if the New Testament actually, if the entire Bible actually were a mountain range, chapter 4 would be one of the great peaks. In a systematic way, what St. Paul is answering is the question of how the miraculous, how the impossible becomes a living reality for the Christian right now. He's answering the question, how are you counted as righteous before God, despite what you may see or feel? And for St. Paul, the answer to this question is at the very heart of Christianity. It's at the very heart of the gospel. One of the accusations of the Jews of St. Paul's day, and it's still true today, you can hear a lot of rabbis teach on this, is that St. Paul thought that the law was actually too rigid. And therefore, he made Christianity up. And that St. Paul's teaching was essentially this. You know, believe in Jesus, like that's your part, as if that's something you can just do. You know, don't get so hung up on all the nitpicky parts of the law. Just all those details. Just be generally a nice person. And sadly, this is what many Christians today think about Christianity. And it's not the case. The Jews of Paul's day, and much of Judaica today is the same, focused on Moses and living out the 613 commandments which were extracted from the Torah in order to demonstrate or prove their righteousness, to work out their righteousness before God. However, St. Paul here in Romans chapter 4, what he does is he appeals to the Torah as well to demonstrate that he is not making up a new religion. St. Paul's argument is this. When you are thinking about your righteousness before God, and this is for all of us, when you are thinking about your righteousness before God, when you are thinking about walking blameless before God, You don't begin with Moses and piety. Rather, you begin 430 years earlier with Abraham and faith. You begin with Abraham who simply believed God, the one who makes the impossible possible. And that was reckoned to Abraham as righteousness. Notice what St. Paul writes in our epistle reading. For the promise that he, Abraham, would, be, would inherit the world, did not come to Abraham or his descendants through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. What St. Paul is actually arguing here, and it's a profound, profound argument, is that St. That, that Paul is saying, I have not made up a new religion. What he is arguing is he has not made up a new religion, but rather is teaching the very deeper meaning of Judaism, which is fulfilled in Abraham's offspring, Jesus. That when one begins not with Moses, but actually Abraham, the entire Torah, including Moses, begins to come into a new focus. A focus not on you and what you're doing for God but a focus on God and what he is now doing and has done for you. Namely, taking all of your sin and on the cross exchanging it for Christ and all of his righteousness. So what Paul is saying here is this. Faith Faith in the reality that Christ's righteousness is for you is the exact same as Abram. A fatherless old man believing that God would make him the father of nations. And this kind of faith, because it's absurd, this kind of faith absurd by the world's standards but remember we're talking about the god who makes the impossible a living reality this kind of faith makes the impossible not only possible but miraculously your living reality right now you walk before god blameless because of christ Notice how St. Paul declares Abraham from Genesis 17, or describes Abraham from Genesis 17. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was already as good as dead, for he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, being fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Therefore, his faith was reckoned to him as righteousness. So this is my second point. Using Abraham as, an, as his example, St. Paul is teaching us all that the beautiful gift of faith given to us by God becomes the enabling word for you in the midst of all of the noise and dew all around the world becomes the enabling word for you to stop trying to be enough for God so that you can hear clearly that Jesus is actually enough for you. And that becomes the freeing word to get you outside of yourself, even if it's just for a moment, to see your neighbor who might actually be in need. As the great preacher John Montgomery Boyce wrote in his commentary on Genesis, quote, The God we worship is the God of Abraham. And this God works in us to bring forth faith like Abraham's. This God brings life out of death, love out of hate, peace out of turmoil, joy out of misery, praise out of cursing, and strength to those who trust him. In our day he does this through Jesus Christ. Who is the focal point and heir of all the promises of God. End quote. And God reckoning you righteous. Reckoning you righteous comes by water and the spirit in your baptism. And you can be assured that God has reckoned you righteous as you come forward today around this table and receive Jesus in bread that is his body and wine that is his blood. And this is my third point, and I'll conclude with this. This is our God. Miracles do happen. And the greatest miracle is this. Despite all your baggage, you are righteous now because you are righteous in Jesus. The impossible, which from God's vantage point, is your living reality now. And this spectacular promise that God reassures you with right now to create faith in your heart, it cannot be bought, nor can it be earned, you must simply be heard and believed by the gift of faith, which, like Abraham before us, God has already given you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of our parish, we would really appreciate it. You can make a one-time or recurring gift by going to calvarystgeorge.org slash give. Thank you for your support.